Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. I always wonder, is it better to set a stop loss based on a percentage or based on the $6 value? And provides unbiased answers. So understand the normal volatility of that particular position. And I like to look at moving averages. Invest Talk. Over 28 million downloads and counting. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. Long-time listener here. I have a question about stocks from China, specifically Alibaba, JD, and Neil. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast good afternoon fellow investors and welcome to invest talk this is our tuesday january 26 2021 edition of invest talk and i welcome you all and i'm excited to have you for this hour and on today's program and podcast i will operate with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And this is my assurance to you that when we go over market reports, uh, I comment on different stocks, equities, investments that people call about. When I discuss our process and explain that, or when I just give kind of broad educational segments, all of that will be presented without bias. I'm just here to give you the facts. I don't have an ax to grind either way. I could be wrong. Now let me preface that. Everybody is wrong. If you've been in this game, you've been in the investing world long enough, you will be wrong many, many times. And if you aren't willing and able to admit that, then you're going to be in trouble. So I'm Justin Klein and I encourage you to contact the show with your finance and investment questions and it'll help you get to shape the show. Right, Whatever is on your mind, I want to hear from you. You can listen right now or call in right now and talk to us live, 4 to 5 Pacific time on the live stream. Or if you're listening after hours, you can always leave a question anytime in our Invest Talk voice bank. And the number never changes, 888 chart So let's get right to our first caller question now. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. Long-time listener here. I have a question about stocks from China, specifically Alibaba, JD, and Neo. I know that there's a lot of regulations, um, international stocks, so I was wondering if it's uh, a good time to like hold it or should we just continue buying as I see most of these are dropping in prices. Look forward to hearing from you. Uh, we are actually short Alibaba. Uh, I think they are one of the big red flags in the Chinese equity markets. Uh, they're, let's say they're accounting uh, from what we've studied is not exactly above board and their audits have uh, been done by mainland China audit companies uh, or our audit branches let's say that and it's just one of many of these of these Chinese companies that are on US markets that uh, have accounting issues and we've seen throughout the years from luck and coffee to uh, GSX is another current one that's uh, in the education space that's having a lot of uh, issues on that front as well. All of them have accounting issues, and there are is pressure from 
a bipartisan uh, cohort of politicians in Washington that want to put more regulation on the Chinese government and Chinese stocks and because of this accounting issue and they've been treating they've been treating Chinese companies differently than US companies when it comes to audit standards and they want to unify that and I think that makes a lot of sense and I think we're headed towards that but there's still a lot of big money interests that are there to lobby Washington to maybe not crack down so hard so there's still a fight going on there I think ultimately the protectionists will win because uh, I just think there's uh, it's one of the few things that are bipartisan and so to me I think Alibaba is a great short I think there's a lot of great shorts in the Chinese stock uh, stocks right now over the long term now maybe they don't really uh, fall too much in the near term. Uh, they're certainly getting a little bounce here, uh, but it's not an area I would be adding exposure. I'd be reducing my exposure, especially to Alibaba. Those you think you might know, I will do my best today to provide unbiased answers to all your finance and investment questions. I know you want and need strategies to help reach your own particular version of financial freedom, and that's why I'm here to do. So I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-989-CHARTS. So Pick up the phone and give us a call. Let's check in on the market right now. The S&P closed today down 5.7 points. Very modest down day there. You had the NASDAQ. That actually closed down 9 points. Another very modest down day. The, the weakest area of the market was the Russell. Down 13 points, about a little over half a percent. So not a, a big down day by any stretch of the imagination. You had uh, still a lot of craziness going on with uh, the GameStops of the world. You know, there's this very interesting phenomenon where these Reddit traders are basically cornering the market in very, uh, very shorted names. You know, companies that have high short interest, and it's forcing short squeezes. Uh, you know, that's this. These traders are treating markets right now like it's a casino. It's really what it is, uh, and there's no really way to argue otherwise and the SEC seems fine with just letting uh, the market operate the way it is you can argue whether that's smart or not but uh, definitely an interesting game going on here you had the dollar down a bit a continuous downtrend it had a recent bounce but just cannot get off the ground uh, and you're seeing inflation expectations continuing to rise that's another area that is, is interesting to me but I do think the Market is set over the next, I think, couple weeks, but could be a couple months. Uh, some sort of a, a refreshing pullback. When I say refreshing, mean refreshes energy, right? Or being overbought for too long really crowds everyone into being along the market, and then you have uh, new money. There's lack of new money coming in that slows the momentum and eventually you have a pullback in the market and weak hands jump out, they sell and you have a pullback and that oftentimes that can be very refreshing. But we also have Fed Day tomorrow and that announcement I think will be very interesting is how much are they going to job on the market higher, uh, discuss maybe potentially yield curve control in the future now that rates are the 10 years above the 1% level. Remember last time uh, the 10 year was below, last Fed meeting 10 year was below this 1% level. So uh, are they going to hint at potential yield curve control and what might that mean for markets in general as well? So all that's going to be very, very interesting. And we've said this before. 
the Treasury and the Federal Reserve are now married. That's, that's the main reason why you have Janet Yellen now as the head of the Treasury, right? the former head of the Fed. It's not a coincidence. She knows how the Fed works, and the goal of stimulating the economy and keeping the economy on track is now in the hands of the Federal Reserve, or in the Treasury, and the Fed is just going to play along, and that's why you have that. So it'll be very interesting to see what they're, uh, what they talk about tomorrow. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we made it. We are now in the fourth trading week of 2021, and it's important to remember that although the market uncertainty it will always be there, you must continue to move forward and develop and adjust your portfolio and your strategy according to your particular financial freedom goals, and that is going to require the right information and the right effective strategies. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's a new year and building your financial future takes information and commitment. So you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. Call Invest Talk. 888 chart Let's go to Santa Cruz, and we're going to talk to Paul. He's looking at H&R Block. Yes, uh, Justin. Uh, like your opinion, I was getting ready to pull the trigger uh, uh, this morning, and it took this huge jump up, and I just wondered uh, what you thought about uh, your opinion of getting into it now or waiting for a pullback. I Looked out over the weekend and thought it was time to, to get into it. And then yesterday I had a nice little update and I thought, oh, great. And then it took this huge jump up to almost, what, 10% today. So just wanted to see what you thought about it. Well, H&R Block, everyone I think knows what they do. They're tax consulting services. And, you know, with TurboTax and, and the online platforms that are more common these days, they're, they've struggled with their earnings. 2020, they only, only made 17 cents a share versus 2019, they made $2.15 a share, 2018, $2.98. Now this year, however, they're expected to make $3.29 a share. Now, the big question is, what's driving this? Is it, hey, more and more people are going to be trying to navigate their taxes in a more strategic way with potentially higher tax rates, although uh, you know it's expected only those making over 400000 are going to have higher taxes, uh, and those people tend to go to CPAs that charge a lot more, more sophisticated, etc. So I don't think that's really going to impact their market, but more and more people are working from home. So uh, navigating the tax rules around what you can write off, what you can't write off. I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. Uh, and they do have online platforms. So, uh, you know, I, I like it kind of as a turnaround play. It actually is a relatively good value, to be honest with you. You're pro- talking about enterprise value to EBITDA of only seven, which is pretty low. Historically, it trades closer to, let's see, closer to the mid-teens. So I think there's potential upside for this, especially after this recent breakout. Uh, it's not my favorite name. I think it's a little overbought too as well after this uh, recent surge today. So uh, pullback consolidation period would be helpful, um, but I think it's a decent value. I, I don't love it. It's not my favorite name once I said once, once again, but I kind of like it. Thanks for the call, Paul. 
Now, my focus point today concerns a story the pandemic may have permanently changed our financial behavior. So we're going to unpack what may stick and what may go with personal finance trends post-pandemic. Next, consumer confidence ticked up in the month of January from December. And we're going to unpack what that was driven by. I have a few theories, but there was also some pessimism about current conditions. So, as always, most people are optimistic about the future and less so about today. So we're going to unpack that story. Next, Build America. President Biden has signed an executive order meant to pull more than $600 billion of annual federal procurement spending into American companies. And we're going to look at the history of this, right? He's not the first. Trump wasn't the first. There are many presidents in the past that have signed bills, signed orders to prefer American-made goods when it comes to government spending. And how might this be different? And will it really have an impact? And you'd be surprised, actually, how much of the spending goes to foreign products and the answer is actually pretty low so it's more of a campaign talking point than actually something that is going to impact uh, american businesses but we're going to unpack that last and then last we're going to go into commodities and help you understand some trends in the commodity space especially when it comes to green energy or green commodities and how that industry is evolving in a world where there's going to be more spending on green energy and infrastructure projects. Now, I like to use every opportunity possible to fit in a caller question. So let's grab one right now. Hello, Steve or Justin. My name is Joe calling you from Alameda, California. A question about ticker RIO, Rio Tinto. It's a good looking stock here, it's showing some relative strength the last couple of days. Trades at a good forward PE, nice 4.8 yield. Seems like a good materials, play. Uh, just interested in your thoughts. Thanks a lot. Appreciate everything you guys do. This is Rio Tinto. And this is one of the largest commodity companies in the world. And they extract a variety of minerals, both here in North America as well as Australia. Iron ore is their dominant exporter, but they, uh, they mine aluminum, copper, diamonds, energy products, gold, industrial metals, etc., so I like their broad diversification. Yields 4.76%, but I understand that it's a foreign company, so it only pays the dividend once a year. It's a UK-based company. It is a little overbought. It's starting to lose a little momentum here, uh, but I like it. I like the commodity space in general. I would be looking to add to this on a pullback. Anywhere in the 70 range, I would love this particular position. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. For investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends, and your participation is vital to what we do here on the show. So we're ready to take your calls live at 888 chart The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. And my focus point today concerns the story the pandemic may have permanently 
changed our financial behaviors and habits, but what will stick? Right? We know that the pandemic has created a lot of new ones and eliminated some bad habits, some by force, right? Spending too much money going out to eat, spending too much money on entertainment, uh, a lot of those, uh, too much money on traveling, a lot of those activities just couldn't be done or was a lot harder to get done. And so we just didn't do them. And that's why savings rates actually skyrocketed during the pandemic. Part of that also was deferment in rent and, and mortgage, mortgage payments. I think that's certainly underappreciated, under-discussed. But we know that there will be a bounce back in a lot of those activities that were more communal or are more communal once everything opens back up. Anything centered on recreation, leisure, social interactions in general are going to snap back quickly once they're allowed to do it, once people are not worried, maybe they're vaccinated, maybe they just, maybe we get rid of it through a combination of herd immunity and vaccination. But either way, those are going to snap back quick, and I think uh, that's not going to end. We're still social beings at the end of the day. We still want to be entertained. I know myself, I, want to, I would love to go to a concert. Online shopping, curbside pickup, for example. I think curbside pickup is one of those ones where didn't do a whole lot of it before. We certainly did online shopping, and that became easier, and that's not going to change. But curbside pickup is another I think will actually stick. And what might that mean? Well, habit of picking up food versus going and eating in might be more common. So more spending on to-go boxes and uh, plastic silverware, etc. I think that will continue. Now, at least two-thirds of consumers say they have tried new kinds of shopping, and nearly two-thirds of consumers say they will continue to use them. Right? New shopping platforms, new ways of spending money and doing business. So that means about half of consumers are going to pick up longer-term habits that they didn't have before. Now, the savings rate, like I said before, jumped. Late last year, it was at 13%, twice the recent multi-year averages. So credit scores actually rose to record highs. Bankruptcies fell to three-decade lows, right? Because people, it was easy to explain a hardship. And banks were willing to forgive loans, and governments were helping with that, especially giving people money. So that might reverse some. So that's kind of ironic that a stronger economy with more jobs is actually going to bring worse credit. It's different than in the past. Now, remote work is likely going to shift. About 30 or 20% of workers could spend the majority of their employment time away from the office, and they're just as a productive. That's what the analysis is starting to say. Now, what also is interesting is the retirement divide is widening. So inequality increased, lower income workers, rural residents, less educated minority groups, they suffered the most and they were given the least help. 
right? Those that have 401k plans, they own a home, the prices and values of those were actually, actually went up over that time frame, over last year. And so those people are wealthier than they were a year ago. So that's why we kind of call this a K-shaped recovery. Some did much, much better. Some did much, much worse. So those are kind of the trends. And I think that's only going to continue until we change the, the policy prescription. Right? The policy prescription right now has been to give loans to businesses, spend money, and have banks defer payments on loans. And unless that changes, you're still going to continue to see a K-shaped recovery. Now let's pick another caller question up. As you probably know, if you call between 4 and 5 Pacific time, you can get your question in live, or you can leave a message on a recorded voice bank 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Would like your opinion of the XLE for a long-term hold. Thank you. Uh, we like uh, the energy sector as a whole. So this is the Energy Select uh, Sector Spiders ETF. And you're basically getting major exposure to the two largest energy companies in the world, Exxon and Chevron. Right? Exxon is 23, call it 24% of this portfolio. Chevron is 22. So you're talking 46% of the portfolio are in those two names. Then you have ConocoPhillips at five. So those top three are over 50%. And frankly, I like them. I think this is a time after such low investment in the space, such divestment by a lot of funds for ESG purposes. I think oil prices are going higher. The dollar going lower. Uh, stimulus efforts are still going to need oil and gas. Even if it's building green energy infrastructure, you're going to need oil and gas to power the projects to build those, at least in the near term. So I like XLE longer term. That's now for now. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today.
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story, the crypto miner you may not have discovered argo blockchain is a uk-based crypto miner and a potential nasdaq listing so we're going to go over the crypto mining space in general but that story tomorrow but for now i'm justin klein i'm ready to take your questions live at 888.99 chart and we live we we like live or recorded questions but we got a live caller question right now from don in pleasantville he's looking at the Spiders S&P 600 small cap value ETF SLYV. Do you own it? Or are you looking to buy it? Well, um, actually, I, I was watching uh, Biden yesterday, and uh, Buy America uh, to me would mean a lot of money towards the uh, small caps. So I went out and bought a position. I bought the SLYV. So. It sounds like that you're going to get into saying this may not be as good of a deal as I think it is. But my question is, I actually did purchase a position in SLYV, um, but I was going to switch over to VBR, uh, the, the uh, Vanguard uh, small cap. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, I'm noticing the Vanguard has uh, uh, expense ratio of you know, 0.07 compared to uh, the SLYV that's uh, 0.15, and so I was going to make th that switch. Does that make sense, or would it be better to step out for a couple of weeks? Well, the exposure is definitely different if you're looking at the portfolios. 
uh, although they're both small cap value ETFs, uh, you're you're getting a different mix there. So I would I would definitely head over to Morningstar, check out those those top holdings. You can actually go to their website, Vanguard's uh, website, as well as the Spider website, and you can get their holdings as well uh, and, and understand kind of where they lean uh, in their allocation. Now they're both, like I said, small cap value funds, uh, domestic, and certainly spending here domestically is going to uh, increase. We know that. The question is, how much is that built into the price movement so far since March, right? This is the name SLYV, for example. In March, it hit a low of $34 a share. Now it's at 75 It's over doubled since the March low. So that, that means there's a lot of expectation that there's going to be stimulus that is directed towards the U.S. and small cap companies benefit the most from that type of stimulus because they are more U.S. focused. They tend to be a lot less foreign, right, or, or international. And so you're right to be looking at this space. Now, the Buy America bill or, uh, or executive order, that's just on a small amount, uh, relatively small amount of government spending. And it's not that far, that much different than what Trump did, right? So that vector, that change is honestly fairly negligible, if at all. And so I definitely wouldn't be buying this because, oh, there's a Buy America order. Not at all. That's something many presidents have done, and you know they, you you adjust small rules, and it can have a few billion dollar effect here or there. But that's not going to drive overall earnings for small cap companies. What's going to drive earnings for small cap companies is governments going out there and doing infrastructure spending, putting money in the hands of individuals and corporations. Those are the things that are going to benefit small cap companies. And that's what's kind of built in the market right now. Now, what I think is underappreciated is that stimulus, although it's been projected to be 1.9 billion, that's what, sorry, trillion, that's what uh, Biden is talking about. Will it actually get past at that level? And everyone's saying it's now Democratic Congress and, and they'll, they'll get it through, and I think they will, but will it be that large? They talked about the $1,400 checks. Right, and $15 minimum wage. And that still, you know, a week into his presidency is still not really moved at all. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a battle. And it's going to take a little bit of time. So I think there's been a lot of optimism around the stimulus and how what's going to impact the economy. And I certainly think it will. And I certainly think it will help green energy, for example. But I seriously believe that the market has overshot that that goal they've built it in and then some and so to me it's a buy the rumor sell the news type of event and I actually think the news will be less than the market is expecting and so while i like the value side i like small cap value longer term as an entry point here i think this is a poor entry point and i think you'll get a better one at some point this year and i would go with the vanguard probably more but it also depends on what type of mix you want because the, the portfolios are very different. You need to dig into that. Thanks for the call. 88899 chart, 88992-4278. Speaking of domestic spending and thus the consumer, let's dig into the consumer confidence report that came in today. And in the month of January, this always comes a little bit before the end of the month, the indices rose to 89.3 from 87.1 in December. That's after two months of a downtick in the index. 
Now, October, the level is at 101.4. Remember, this is pre-election. This is a time where, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, you probably had an optimistic view, right? If you're a Republican, you probably thought Trump was going to win and you know everything was going to be good going forward. Same with if you're on the other side, maybe you weren't a supporter, you probably thought maybe he's going to get defeated, things are going to get better in the future. Well, what happens? Post-election, this is very common, the side that loses, they think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And their confidence drops, whereas uh, the upside for the side that wins is not quite as large, and you have a drop in consumer confidence. Not shocking, especially for a couple months, especially when you have uh, all the issues around uh, what we had in the month of November and December and the election. So that's not a shock. Now that's kind of resolved, the, you're going to start to see a more normalized number, and that's what I think you're seeing here. Now, pre-pandemic, this is at 132.6. Consumers were very optimistic back in February of last year. Now, what's interesting about this is a few takeaways. That the percentage of consumers who say they are intend to purchase a home in the next six months actually improved. Even though rates went up, this suggests that home sales are going to continue fairly strongly, at least in the early part of this year. Now, consumers look at current conditions, however, weakened in January. Part of that, I'm sure, has to do with COVID-19 restrictions that were reinstated here in California. We just lifted those uh, today, which was nice. We're going to have outdoor dining again. That'll be good. Uh, but that was... That was an interesting little peek into the consumer, which remember, 70% of the, of the economy is the consumer. Uh, if you start giving people checks, that's certainly going to help uh, consumers' confidence as well. And that looks to be happening here over the next couple of months. Now let's keep the pace moving and go straight back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hey there, this is uh, Tom from Pendleton. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for all you do. A podcast is great, and I've learned so much over the year that I've been listening to it. I had two questions. One uh, was just on two different car companies in the electric vehicle space. I was just wondering if you prefer GM over uh, Volkswagen or vice versa in terms of their future outlook. And then my second question was just a general one. In terms of stop losses, I always wonder, is it better to – set a stop loss based on a percentage or based on the $6 value? Thank you, and I look forward to hearing back from your response. Bye. I'll go with the first one. I'm a bigger fan of Volkswagen myself. Unfortunately, there's uh, not an ADR on Volkswagen, so you have to pay a commission to p purchase that. But I definitely would rather own Volkswagen over GM. I think they just have uh, a stronger track record uh, from a business perspective. They have uh, better leadership and design and our push towards electric vehicles is a lot stronger than GM's or I think it's going to be a lot more successful. Personally, I drive one of the Volkswagen brands, <laughs> Audi, so uh, I, I, I like their products better than GM, so I'm certainly going to go with Volkswagen over GM. And I like the foreign currency exposure or the, the uh, exposure to the euro and other currencies over the dollar, and certainly Volkswagen has more uh, you'll get more exposure by owning Volkswagen. And then when it comes to stop loss, it's always a percentage, right? Don't remember it should be a dollar amount. It always should be a percentage because uh, every company trades at different prices, right? If you're talking about $10 stock, $1 move on that is 10%. On a $500 stock, 
$1 move is negligible. So always it should be a percentage and change the percentage per company you're talking about. Some companies have trade very wide price movements, others very modest price movements. And so a 5% move in, you know, say a Procter and Gamble is going to be a big move as opposed to, you know, a chip company, for example, a 5% move is just a daily activity, right? Or they, they often move that much in one particular day. So understand the normal volatility of that particular position. And I like to look at moving averages and using moving averages as my stop loss. Now let's go to Bullington Park and talk to Adam. And we're going to talk about Ford. Yeah, I saw um, a news report. Jim Cramer recommended buying Ford. You know, they're moving towards uh, electric vehicles. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, it's priced pretty good. I just wanted to know if I should get in or not. What do you think? Well, kind of going back to this last caller, right? He asked about GM or Volkswagen. I pick Volkswagen. If you ask me about Ford versus Volkswagen, I'm going to say Volkswagen. I think they just have a better track record, better profit. Uh, and while I, I do think there's a lot of upside potential for kind of the big players in the electric vehicle space, right? Remember, everyone talks about Tesla, but they sell 0.5% of the cars in the world <laughs> last year. And so there's certainly more upside for those businesses that have a history of manufacturing and doing it profitably. And Ford is one of those. But so is Volkswagen, so are GM. And the big question is, who has the better technology? And to me, right now, Volkswagen is ahead of the game of the major car makers. They're by far head and shoulders above Ford, GM, even Tesla, in my mind. So Ford okay? I like it better than Tesla, but definitely don't like it as much as Volkswagen. Thanks for the call, Adam. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. I appreciate all of our listeners, whether you're here in the U.S. or around the world, in Canada, Thailand, Korea, Japan, Russia, India, wherever you are. Stephen, I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and for telling your family and friends about our free investing and finance podcast. Please keep those calls, questions, and emails coming in. We love them all. And of course, you're welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We would love to help you more directly. We want to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 
Hey, Stephen Jetson. This is Chris from Atlanta, Georgia. I want to say thank you guys so much for your show. Really helped me learn a lot. I did have a question. I recently purchased Amark Precious Metals Alpha Mike Romeo Kilo. I was going to see what you thought of this company. I thought it might be a good play in the financials. Still uh, taking advantage of the precious metal market at this time. As you guys have been talking about, this should be a good area to be in. Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much. All right. AMRK, AMARK Precious Metals. And they're a precious metal trading company. It's engaged in the wholesale of gold, silver, platinum, and palladium bullion and related products in the form of bars, wafers, coins, and grains. Pretty interesting little play on the gold market. No dividend, but $202 million market cap. Let me look at its longer-term profitability metrics. Talking about return on equity, typically in the mid to high teens on average. You had a little dip in 2018, but overall, very strong. Supposed to make $5.81 this year, which would be an all-time high. I like it. Fairly modest amount of debt on its balance sheet uh, in relation to its cash flow, which trailing 12 months did about $11 million. Um, technically, it's in this consolidation pullback phase. I like it, right? It's 52 high is 37, now it's at 28. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm going to give it an A, the A mark, Precious Metals. Thanks for the call. Now, I'm going to unpack after the break the Biden executive order to try to pull more than $600 billion of annual federal procurement spending into American hands. Now, what's surprising is how very few orders are actually from overseas. The estimate is only 9%. Okay, So it's not like this is going to move the needle in a big, big way, but we're going to unpack kind of history of what presidents have tried to do to try to get more of our government spending in the hands of U.S. businesses. But there are some challenges, right? Because guess what? We don't make everything. And even when it comes to if we manufacture, we put it together, doesn't mean all the components are built here in the U.S. either. So we're going to unpack that. Now give us a call. We're heading to our last break at 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Let's fit in one more live call. We're talking to Stephen in Seattle. He's looking at L-U-M-N, which is Lumen Technologies, up big today. I'm assuming this is one of those short interest stocks as well. What do you can you tell me about it? Hey Justin, it's Steven. Yeah, just uh, needed some good good thought about uh how you would treat an option for this. Uh, my strike price is at about twelve and I'm sitting on a nice amount of contract and I'm just trying to see why they went up and would you hold or get rid of it? I got a couple What's your weeks. expiration? Uh, let's see here. I got twelve nineteen and twelve uh 
I mean, excuse me, 212 and 219. 212 and 219. So you're you're talking about just the next couple of weeks. So right now you are highly exposed uh, to option decay, right? If this reverses, uh, you can lose all your gains rather quickly, um, but it certainly could keep going. Uh, you bought 12, I would take all of your, all of the initial investment off the table uh, and have a trailing stop on this. Uh, you know, could it keep going? Is this game of, you know, you, you clearly, this is like a Reddit trader. Hey, we cornered the market. It exploded because there's no real news on this name. Uh, this is just a, a low price company. Uh, and that's what they're, they're targeting as well uh, with a pretty decent size short interest. And so I would be taking some money off the table, uh, especially because that expiration is just around the corner. You're talking two, three weeks away and you need to, every day that goes by, you're losing the time value pretty quickly. Remember the, the curve of time value on options drops dramatically, especially after in, in the last 30 days and the last couple of weeks. And you're getting into those last couple of weeks here. So uh, I would be taking a lot of money off the table because this thing could easily go back to 12 bucks and you'd be out of the money again. Thanks for the call, Stephen. Sorry, you were breaking up. Now let's close with the Build America Act, or Buy America Act, excuse me. And this was actually originally signed by Herbert Hoover in 1933 during the Great Depression and attempts to generate American jobs by restricting how much federal purchases can be made for overseas products. And what it says is, agencies must prefer domestic bidders for American-based contracts of more than $10,000. Now, as long as at least 50% of their products are made at home, they qualify, and that they are no more than 6% more expensive than the cheapest foreign alternative. Now, President Trump had signed uh, 10 executive orders in similar fashion and actually increase the percentage requirements. So to qualify for iron and steel products, it would have to be 95% of it would have to be made here in the U.S. Other products, however, at least 55% homemade. And the price preference would go up to 20%, saying we'll pay as much up up to as much as 20% more than a foreign-made good for something that's made in the U.S. And that 55% for other types of goods is clear why they did that. And it has to do with electronics, right? We've talked before about the chip industry and how really the big global foundries are Samsung in South Korea, you have Taiwan Semiconductor in Taiwan, and you have Intel here in the U.S., which they're struggling and you have others as well, but those are the three main ones. And to get the components for a lot of these electronic goods, it's very difficult to do that just here in the U.S. And so finding the right components to at a higher enough capacity that are made in the U.S. is becoming very difficult. And so the supply chain is really the constriction here. Even though states are told to spend federal dollars on American uh, infrastructure, for example. 2009, they did this. Obama tried to do this. And the projects went nowhere because they couldn't find the components, enough components that were here in the U.S. So 
overall, these orders tend to be kind of fall flat on their face when it comes to actual putting it into practice. And this protectionist talk typically is more of a campaign trail talking point than actual, actually something that comes to fruition. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday, shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free download anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. And please be sure to rate and review. We appreciate it. We invite you to call with your questions anytime on our Invest Talk Voice Bank number, 888 chart Independent thinking, shared success. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.